This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Our fifth and final series of the Build Your Bow series. It's been a fun series. I have learned a lot. I have uh, literally worked through step-by-step on building my persist as I've went through the series. Um, Episode five, we have got everything shooting 98% well. We've got everything paper tuned. We have shot through paper for hours, chasing our tears, getting everything shooting good. We're going to head outside. We're going to group tune. We're going to walk back tune. We're going to bear shaft tune. Uh, we're going to get that bow shooting as best as we possibly can. And then we're going to sight that bow in and get ready for hunting season. I'm back with Caleb Sorrels, who covered our paper tuning, and we are going to cover all of the micro fine adjust tuning. As always, guys, this episode is brought to you by our good friends at Scentlock. Let's dive in. Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Guys, you have probably heard the term, if you don't use it, then you lose it. And that is so true for your feet. Now, you guys know I'm all about prioritizing your feet. I want to take care of my feet when I'm on the mountains. I want to take care of my feet when I'm in the woods with a good pair of socks and a good pair of boots. However, that ideology of prioritizing your feet, it starts way before I get to the mountain. It starts by training my foot and my ankle to be strong. How I do that is the barefoot boot. Now, this goes way beyond just being a zero-drop shoe. This is a barefoot boot that's going to replicate being barefoot. It's going to cause me to use my feet and my ankles the way that God put them on me, intending them to be used. So many times, we are just taught, shove your foot in a shoe with a whole lot of cushion, a whole lot of arch support, a whole lot of drop from the heel to the toe. Why? Because that's what's comfortable. However, that is weakening your foot because you're not using your foot and your ankle. And that causes a lot of problems actually with your knees, your lower back. It causes a lot of problems with your hips because those things are working harder to take care of what your feet are not doing. So guys, I use this as a training method to strengthen my foot and my ankle to get me ready for the mountains. Now, do I wear these on the mountains? No. I view these as the as the weightlifting, as the training. And then when I get ready for the big lift, I throw on a, a, a belt. Same is true with my boots. 
I use these all the time as daily wears to strengthen my foot and my ankle. But then when I go to the mountain, I throw on my strap, i.e. my mountain boots. However, the foot and ankle that I'm now putting in that boot is stronger and more prepared for what it's about to get. Guys, the wide toe box lets your toes and your feet spread out, giving you a whole lot of stability. Zero drop shoe makes sure your body is in great alignment. This is pure grain leather. Guys, these things are incredibly well built, incredibly well made. It's going to strengthen your foot and your ankle. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, episode 188, I'm joined by Mr. Chris Duffin, the mad scientist himself. He was once the world record holder for deadlift and squat. He was the founder of Barefoot Boots. He's incredibly knowledgeable on strengthening your foot and your ankle and the fact that if you don't use it, then you lose it and it becomes weak over time. I would highly encourage you to go check out that episode. We talk about when to use it, why to use it, how to use it. We talk about its place and we talk about where it's maybe not best suited for. Guys, go check out that episode, but go check out Barefoot Boots at barefootshoes.com. You're going to be happy you did. You're going to come out of it on the backside with a stronger, healthier, happier foot and ankle. A lot of the problems are going to start going away. You're going to notice a difference how your foot responds and moves during everyday walking and movement. Guys, that's Barefoot. B-E-A-R. Like Bear Archery. Go check them out at barefoot.store. All right, Caleb. So we've got the bow shooting 98% where it needs to almost be. Almost there. Almost yeah, done. We're close. Uh, it's almost time. I'm at the stage. This is the stage in the process where I'm just ready to be done setting up a bow because I want to shoot and have fun. Um, <laughs> yep. Because you you I, I just want to go out and things shoot. called broadheads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No kidding. But you got them pesky now, things called broadheads. <laughs> yep. So we have paper tuned. We have got it shooting good yep. through paper. Uh, and like we covered yep. last last episode, last week, in episode four, if you didn't listen, you need to jump back and listen to that episode uh, because you don't want to start with this or you're just going to create a world of hurt for yourself. Because um, yep. if you start by trying to, sh- to, to go through the steps that we're about to discuss and you haven't shot through paper, you might be yep. missing the target with your bear shafts. Um, so yep. not my, you probably will be missing the target with your bear shafts. So um, go back and listen to last week's episode, get the bow paper tuned first. Um, now paper tune by no means is an end all be all. So many people for so long have been taught, nope. but they shot it through paper at the shop and it was a bullet hole. A, you weren't yep. even shooting it. Somebody else was shooting it. And B, they were shooting it at three yards with a fletched arrow. That is by no means the end-all be-all of of a bow shooting well. So go back and listen to that, but then we're going to get here. Um, So, Caleb, we've got the bow shooting good through paper. We've shot it at, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. say 12 feet with bare shafts and fletched shafts at, you know, three yards. We've walked through that whole process. Yeah, we've, we've got a bullet hole through paper. And I would say, you know, going to your point, I think this is probably where... 90 to 95% of the bows that leave a bow shop, this is where they end. They end on a paper tune. Just, you know, in the essence of the shop's time, they're, you know, getting somebody, getting a bow shootable. You know, a paper tune with a a field point is going to be a a decently shooting bow. And it's going to get the average archer, you know, inside a pie plate at 20 yards or what have you. So a paper tune is a very, very good start. It's where I would say, again, 95% of the bows that 
leave an archery shop and they take the, the new owner is going to their house. This is where they're at. But I can't tell you how many times we've had somebody come into the shop, you know, two, three months later when I was working in an archery shop and they said, oh, you know, I missed this deer at, you know, 45 yards. What the heck? Well, did you shoot your broadheads? No. And that's where we're kind of at now. So in my experience, I think bear shaft tuning is probably the next best step because I have yet to have a bow that has bear shaft tuned and not shot a fixed blade broadhead with my field points or very, very, very close. So follow the same steps that we do with a bear shaft or with a paper tune. You know, your same directions are the same things you're going to do with a bear shaft. I go to 20 yards, shoot a flex shaft, shoot a bear shaft, and then I use the same chart or the same movements with our micro adjustments that we talked about with a bear shaft. So we're focusing on the rest, the cable guard, those things that minutely change the load that, or the, the force that's being put on that arrow and effectively impacting downrange. So first off, let's cover, because you just mentioned bear shaft tuning. What, mm -hmm. what's the differences? A, what is group tuning, bear shaft tuning, walk back tuning, um, yeah. French tuning, what are all of those things yep. and why choose one over the other? Yep. So the ways or the way that I've always done it is I bear shaft tune. And then if I'm out to distance, then I would minutely group tune. So a bear shaft tune is what we talked about. You shoot a flat shaft, you shoot a bear shaft, and then you work to get those two to impact at the same point. For me, the next step would be group tuning. So say I'm shooting at distance 60, 70, 80 yards and I'm spanning a group elongated one way or another, that's going to tell me that I need to find minutely change my center shot or my rest or something to tighten that group up and get it shooting better. You know, also got to keep in mind, if you're doing this outdoors, wind will also span those things left and right. So if that's, you know, if you're having a spanning group left and right, don't think you need a group tune if you've got a three to five mile an hour wind coming left or right. So, um, I would say nine times out of 10, if I get a, a bow to bear shaft tune, it's going to group tune very well. Now, if I get a weird span where my arrows are stringing out, then I'm going to uh, then, you know, continue to micro, I mean, just minute, minute changes. And this, that, that's where it's going to come into that. Um, and then you talked about French tuning and walk back tuning. Um, you can talk more on those. In my opinion and what I've seen, walk-back tuning tells you more about how level your sight is, not necessarily the tune of the bow, but, you know, that's my opinion and what I've found for me. You know, Dylan, you can touch on what you've seen with those, but in my process, for me personally, it's it's not in there. Yeah. I, I for the longest time, I, I French-tuned. Um, I've never, never, like, never walk-back tuned much. Because of what you just said, honestly, if I go through the other steps, I don't have to worry about it. Um, so with mm -hmm. fringe tuning, the reason I like it is because for people who um, are are not as good of a shot, um, group tuning or bear shaft tuning is difficult. Um, you know, if you can't if you can't shoot two arrows at twenty yards, 
that are going to hit in the same spot, then it's right. hard to bear shaft tune. Um, so with French tuning, what you're doing is you'll shoot at two different distances. We'll say, you know, five yards and 10 yards or just choose two different distances, six and 12 or, you know, whatever, 10 and 20. Um, but these can be closer distances because again, the reason I like doing this is for guys who just can't shoot well. Um, this is how, and I'm not talking bad about her at all, but, um, this is, I'm going to do this step with my wife's bow every time. Um, just because she doesn't shoot near as much as I do or near as much as some people do. Um, so that 20 yard bear shaft tuning can just, it can, it can be oh, yeah. a difficult process sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I'm going to hang a string down my target. Um, tie it off on the top of the target and just weigh it. That way it's going to be pulling perfectly straight down. So at six yards or whatever my first distance is at six yards, I'm going to put my pins directly in line with that string and shoot the shot. If I'm shooting to the left, I'm going to move the sights until I have the arrow hitting that string. Um, then say my next distance is 12 yards. I'm going to do the exact same thing. Line up my pins with that string and shoot the shot. But this time I'm going to move the rest. So if it's at, you know, if it's hitting to the left, I move the rest until I have that hitting the string. Then I'm going to go back to the first distance and shoot again. And, you know, if it's back to the left again, I move the sights till it's hitting the string, go back to 12 until both distances are hitting the string with the sights and the rest being moved. Because what I now know is the sights and the rest are perfectly lined up. Again, that is not an end all be all tuning method. It just makes bear shaft tuning a little less stressful. Um, because yep. I'm going to start with two arrows that are really close. Now for somebody who's a really good shot for somebody who shoots a ton, I would skip that step. Um, that's just going to for somebody who's not a great shot. It's going to alleviate some of the stress and bear shaft tuning at 20, 30 yards by getting you really close to begin with. So yep. let's go back to bear shaft tuning. Is 20 yards the only yep. distance you bear shaft tune at? Uh, for me personally, that's that's where I stick. I go I go to 20 yards, and that's my end-all, be-all to a degree. Because then if it doesn't group downrange, you know, I know that I have to micro-adjust it in the direction that I was trending with the bear shaft. So if I say, for our example, in the last episode, we had a left hair, and I'm having to move that rest in with a bear shaft being to the right. I'm having to move that rest in micro adjustment and I get it close. Then I go back to distance and I have a span left to right. Then I know I need to keep going with that rest towards the inside to get that group to ultimately, because ultimately in the end, we want their groups to be the best with, you know, and then we also want to be able to shoot one spot with our field points and then shoot the next spot right next to it and hit both of those spots with field point and a broadhead. Obviously, you don't want to shoot at your your arrows with your broadheads, <laughs> so yeah. that's why in this so, in this case it's a hypothetical group. <laughs> now let's make note of one thing: we have not sighted the bow in yet. So at this point, nope. it doesn't matter where you're hitting. You know, if you're shooting at twenty yards right. and you get the bear shafts and the and the mm -hmm. fletched arrows hitting together, but they're six inches yeah. to the right, that's fine. We'll sight the bow in here in a minute, right? But right. I have seen so many dudes become frustrated at this point because, like, I'm still hitting to the left. Yeah. And I'm like, but they're hitting yeah. together. And, and say you're doing this on a block target, for example. You have a 12-inch 12, 12 block target or, you know, 
something similar in size. You really don't want to do this with a bag target just because those arrows kick so many different ways in a bag target. Like you really want to use a layered or some sort of a solid target that's going to allow that arrow to kick in the target and you can see which way the arrow is going. But for the case of this, like say somebody is using a 10 inch block, you want to make sure that you're keeping an eye on the site and getting it close as you're going through this process. Because if you bump that rest and you don't move your site and you're shooting a 12 inch block, you're going to miss the target. You're going to miss. Yeah. Because yeah, your rest changes your point of impact so much more than what your sight does. It's kind of like if you were moving the rear sight on a, a rifle versus the front sight. Your rear sight is going to just drastically change it because it's closer to what you're looking at to a degree. So, um, <clears throat> or closer to your eye. So you move this a little, it's a lot more downrange. Same with a rest. If you move it a little here, it's a lot more on this plane. So... I want to make sure wanna, you're keeping an eye on it if you're using a small target. I want to second note what what Caleb just said because I have made myself so stinking mad before trying to tune with a bag target, um, especially with a recurve because I'm looking and I'm like, dude, I'm getting yeah. you know a left tear or I'm getting knock left. Yeah. So then you do all of this right. and you're like, okay, I'm getting knock right now. How you know whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, that a bag target, yeah. what it does is there's so many different strings and uh, material inside mm -hmm. of that that's that's just going to push the, the arrow different directions all the time. Um, whereas a block yep. target, if it goes in knock left, it's going to show knock left. Um, so right. don't tune with a bag target. Um, yeah. Actually, just don't ever shoot yeah, a bag like a, target. A foam target or a layered foam, that's, that's going to be your best bet. Something that you're hitting it and it's going to allow the arrow to do what it's going what to do. What it was do doing, apparently. yeah. Um, yep. So, what if, here's a scenario for you that I, I've seen several times. What if your bear shafts are hitting with your fletched, but your bear shafts are sticking mm -hmm. in the target just a stupid direction. We'll, we'll say knock less and high. But they're hitting with mm -hmm. your fletched. What does that tell you? Well, not much if it's a bag target. <laughs> yeah, so no kidding. But with a layered or a uh, a foam target, um, it could be indicating that you have something going on crazy. But ultimately, I would I would move to a broadhead or a group tune after this and make sure if it's hitting good, I wouldn't touch it. You know, so. It could be, it's possible that it could be indicating that there's an issue, but until you add a broadhead or you go back to distance and shoot, you're not going to be able to tell in my experience. Yeah. Cause I've had them where they hit together and then I put a broadhead on it and they just, they hit in the same hole, you know, but you know, say it's a, it, they're hitting together, but you're kicked high and then you go back and your broadhead's hitting low, you know, then you would need to adjust your rest and go from there. So what do you say to the guy, A, you shoot a bear shaft. You've got it 90% mm -hmm. paper tuned. Again, we've went through all the steps. We're outside to, to do this. Yep. But they shoot the shot, and the bear shaft just looks like it's flying like crap. Again, they've went through the paper tuning process, and it's shooting right. good through paper. What does that begin mm -hmm. to tell you? 
It, it would indicate that, you know, that arrow build is probably not conducive to what they're shooting would be my first guess. You know, this could be, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Cause there's so many things that go into that, you know, and this goes back to, did they shoot the bear shaft through paper too? I mean, that, that could be indicated of it, but veins do crazy things. And once you move to a bear shaft, that's really where it's going to shine and really show what's, what's actually going on with the bow. Um, yeah. I've got would, two answers for them. A, if there's any wind at all, just try a new day. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, any wind at all. And guys, there's been times I live in Kansas. There's been times I've got to wait a week to, to tune my bow because there's, you know, a five mm -hmm. mile an hour wind pretty much every day. But if you don't have veins on an arrow, a five mile an hour wind will make that thing do crazy stuff. Um, it because a, a vein is what steers that that arrow through the wind. So if you try to shoot a bear shaft and there's a light breeze, it can make that bear shaft look like it's flying like crazy. Yeah. So a if there's any wind whatsoever, just back out and try it again. B mm -hmm. if there was any tear, and I mean any tear. If you go back in and you shoot that bear shaft through paper at nine yards, nine feet, however far, and it's the slightest left hair, I mean the slightest, you've got to work there first because if it's not a perfect bullet hole, once you get to distance, once you start shooting past eight feet, nine feet, however far you were paper tuning, that very slight left hole in the paper turns into the arrow flying, you know, a foot tail left at mm -hmm. at. 20 yards. Yeah. So it's going to be magnified like crazy. Whereas, and that's why I like to paper tune with bear shafts because the veins are going to work to correct the flight of that arrow. Whereas a bear shaft, it's just going to get worse and worse downrange. You know, I have had a bow that is 100%. barely shooting tail left through paper at nine feet. But then if you shoot that at, you know, 30 yards, the arrow is going to be hitting the, mm -hmm. the target almost, almost just, yeah, you know, against the target with the arrow. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. go back and check the paper first, because if there's any tear whatsoever, it's going to be magnified at 20 yards and it's going to look like that arrow is flying just off the wall. Crazy. Um, yeah. So what is broadhead tuning? So say we've went through, say we've went through the group tune at 20 yards. We've got mm -hmm. bear shafts hitting with fletched. But then we get our broadheads yep. out and they're hitting a foot low. What does that mean? Yep. I, again, I think it's, it's kind of tied to the same thing. You know, if your bow is favoring a tear, then it's favoring a bear shaft. It's more than likely going to favor the same broadhead tune. So it's just a, again, it's magnifying the issue kind of like what you were just talking about. If you have just a slight tear, it's going to be magnified when you get to distance broadheads do the same thing. They magnify an underlying issue. So the same process, if you have a low broadheads, you need to take the same steps as you would with a high tear through paper or a low impact with a bear shaft. Same, same process, same steps. Your goal is to get your broadheads hitting with your field points. Now this might be stupid, but some guys might not know it. You never shoot a bear shaft with a broadhead. Always shoot your broadheads no. fletched. Yeah. I know it sounds yeah. stupid, but I have seen guys try it um, yep. because they think they're still bear shaft tuning and they put on a broadhead. 
Broadheads yep. add steering to the front of your arrow. So if you don't have veins on the back yep. of your arrow, right, it, it could be yep. bad. The other thing too here, um, this is only good out to a certain distance too. You don't want to be broadhead tuning at 50, 60 yards because inherently you're going to hit lower or higher just because of the amount of drag that's being added to the arrow. You know, physics, if you have more veins essentially on the arrow with the broadhead, it's going to hit slightly different. So I would, I would cap this at 20 yards for my, my scenarios, and then I would sight my bow in with broadheads after that. Okay, so that's a good that's a good talking point. So you're only broadhead tuning at 20 yards. If your broadheads and your field tips are hitting Correct. at 20 yards, you're good. I'm good because I know that they're grouping correctly. I'm not getting a weird plane with my broadheads. And then I can typically, if I walk way back and watch it, I can see that arrow's tracking true. So right. I, I've seen it over and over again. Somebody, you know, they shoot further distance. They're trying to broadhead tune with field points. Like you can kind of get away with it with expandables. But as soon as you get into a fixed blade, it's going to kick more air than a field point, just the physics of the arrow. So it's going to hit different up and down. So what would be the harm? Would there be a harm? Well, Would there be any downfall to broadhead tuning at a further distance? I mean, you know, say 40 yards, because if I get my broadheads and my field tips hitting at 40, they should be hitting at 20. I've just, you know, more micro tuned that bow, if you will. Yeah, or, there would. I guess my the the reason that I would steer away from that is if you make it to where they're hitting the same at 40 and you have more drag on that arrow out to distance you're not truly tuning the bow at that point you're bingo you know what i'm saying you're taking the bow out of yeah. tune to get so, it to shoot together correct because then if you walk back up to 20 it, in theory your arrows should be hitting at different heights at yep. that closer distance so it you want to get it to where they're hitting the same closer kind of like with a rifle you want that muzzle velocity or your velocity coming out of the bow you want to measure it at a distance where that's not being diminished by the actual bullet or the arrow in this case. So if you, Hey, let me make it one more note for I ask you this next question. I don't care what the mm -hmm. packet of your broadhead says. I don't care if it says flies like a field point. You need to yep. be shooting your broadheads with your field points. You need to Correct. go through this final step and guys. Yeah. Nine times mm -hmm. out of 10, I'm going to shoot my broadheads with my field tips and say, yep, I'm good if I have tuned yep. my bow. But yep. so many guys screw on their broadheads and they go hunting because that packet says flies like a field tip. Well, their bow yeah. wasn't quite tuned, so the broadhead's right. not going to fly good because it's not tuned Correct. well. So guys, yep. I don't care what the broadhead packet says. You need to go through these steps of tuning that bow and, and shooting your broadheads with your fill points. I don't care what the package says. Yep. Now, yep. one more question I have is um, when you go to do this process, when you have gotten near the end, and like you said, you're shooting your broadheads at 60 yards, and your broadheads are hitting right where you want to hit, where are your fill tips mm -hmm. going to be hitting? Because you, in theory, where would your fill tips be hitting? Because you just said that right. you're sighting in for your broadheads. 
Right. Yeah, and it, it could be either high or low. It depends on the specific broadhead and how they cut air. So a broadhead could create lift or it could be adding drag and pulling it down. So there's a potential it could be hitting high, it could be hitting low. It just depends on the specific broadhead and what it is actually doing with the air as it flows over it, if it's creating drag or if it's creating lift. So the reason I ask that question is to lead me into this question. At what point are you like, okay, those are hitting too far off. Even at 60 yards, I should not be yeah. that far off. You know, and, and at what point do the, you need to revisit right. the tune? Yeah, and I would say if they're hitting that far off, you're you're having an issue with your group as well because they're probably stringing in that direction, which would kind of go back to our broadhead tuning, and we might need to micro-adjust our rest to get it back to where they're group tuning. And that that I would say 90% of the time that's probably going to be the issue is if you're having one, like you're hitting good with your field points, and then your broadheads are stringing out, and maybe your field points are slightly favoring that way, you would need to go back to that that fine, fine-tuned group tune would probably be the case. Now, if there's, they're grouping good, they're grouping good, it could just be how that broadhead is steering the arrow versus your field points. Now, is there, you know, is there any kind of, and again, we're going to get to the point of diminishing returns, but would you try mm -hmm. to do anything to add veins? I mean, if you're shooting a, you know, a three fletch with a two inch vein, would you go to right. a three fletch with a three inch vein or a four fletch with a three inch vein or any of that kind of thing yeah. to help steer the, the broadhead more to get those to fly better with, right. with the, the fill tips? And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is a definite diminishing returns. The more veins you put on the back, the more drag you're creating, the further at distance, the slower your bow is going to shoot. So you're going to have a larger sight tape or a bigger pin gap, et cetera. Now, you also got to back up too. You add that weight, you got to go back and retune the bow because you've in, inherently made that arrow stiffer. So there's going to be, it's going to dynamically shoot through paper. It's going to dynamically group tune and then broadhead tune, group tune differently because you've changed that arrow dynamically. Now, back to the steering, the more you put steering on the back, the quicker it's going to come out of the bow and correct which inherently downrange is going to be, you know, it's going to correct it and steer that arrow better. You know, target guys shooting 20 yards, 90% of them, they shoot either four, four inch feathers, three, four inch feathers or three, four inch veins. You know, some of the guys, they shoot four, three inch veins, same, same amount. They want to correct that arrow as fast as they can coming out of the bow. So it's flying more true, the quicker out of the bow. So, when you get to the hunting scenario, you want to cre create as much and correct that bow as quick arrow as quick as you can and steer that broadhead. But you also got to keep in mind, you're not shooting 20 yards at a, an elk, for example, you're probably going to be in that 30 to 50, 60 yard range. So there is diminishing returns. You're going to lose energy down range, but yes, to help fix and help these broadheads fly, you can add more steering to the back. Yeah. And I have found that I really, really like about nine inches of vein. Um, so if that's shooting, you know, three, three inch, or if that's shooting four, th four, yep. four, two inch, two and a half inch, you know, I really mm -hmm. like a heat vein, which is two and a quarter. 
Um, yeah. So yeah. in that, that with that four fletch, it's going to get me to that nine inches. Now on a recurve, mm-hmm. I like to be at 12 inches because uh, I'm going to shoot a bigger right. broadhead. Um, I need yeah. to steer that more. Uh, but with a compound, yeah. I really like the nine inch mark. Um, whether that yep. be three, three inches like a Bronco vein or whether that be four, you know, two and a quarter, two and a half, like a heat vein. I really like nine mm-hmm. inches. It gives me enough steering, but I'm not reaching that point of, wow, I'm adding way too much drag to my arrow. Right. Um, right. Now, Caleb doesn't know this. I have not told him this yet, but in my mind, I just got a whole bunch of rabbit hole questions about arrow builds. So we're going to do an arrow building episode <laughs> here in a few weeks. Um, All right. We can do that. We'll come out with that here in a couple of weeks on, on arrow building all things arrows. Um, because I I'm an arrow nerd. I love playing with arrows. Arrows are my, my jam. I don't care about bows. I like arrows. Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding by the way, but I do, I, I nerd out on arrows. So we're going to, we're going to come back to arrows guys. I'm not a gun guy. You're listening to the bear archery podcast. I'm a bow hunter. I enjoy archery. However, Guns are a necessity for outdoorsmen. I need an everyday carry pistol. I need a shotgun to shoot birds with. I need a truck gun. I need a gun to shoot coyotes with. I need a lightweight gun to pack in the mountains if I'm on a bear hunt and need backup. There are times where I need a gun. And I am the type of guy, like I said, I don't study guns. I don't know a lot about guns. So when I'm in need of a gun, I just call somebody. My favorite place on earth has become Powder and String Outfitters in Wellington, Kansas. I love the creaky old floor, the rustic decor, the fact that they just take you back to a time where Main Street shops were experts in their trade. It's it's one of the best feelings walking into that place because you feel like you're walking back in time. Powder and String Outfitters has just launched an online website where you can shop the largest selection of in-stock guns and ammo that you will find anywhere, and the best prices guaranteed. Powderandstring.com. Guys, here's my favorite part. Call them. Ask them questions. Ask them, you know, tell them what you're looking for in a gun, what you want to get out of it, what you want to use it for, and they're going to point you in the right direction. How do I know that? Because I have to do that every time I need a new gun. So, guys... Go to powderandstring.com for your next gun, for your ammo, for your clips, for all of your hunting accessories, trail cameras, tree stands. They've got it all. They've got archery equipment too, but they are my gun experts that I trust, that I go to all of the time when I've got questions about guns. Powderandstring.com. Go check them out. You can shop online. You can figure it all out. The guns will ship straight to your house. It's an incredibly easy process to go through. Guys, they've got everything you could ever need. Powderandstring.com. So we've got everything flying good. We've got bear shafts hitting with fletched at 20 yards. We've got everything group tuning at 70 yards. We've got broadheads flying good with filled tips at 20 yards. We've got all of these things flying good. Walk the person through final side in. Final side in is there there are definitely good ways to do it but the absolute best way that i have found to sight in a bow is to create a a cross on a target with electrical tape one inch electrical tape a vertical line and a horizontal line and you are going to use those at every distance so if you're shooting a bow with a sight tape 
your first pin or your first mark on your sight tape cannot be 20 yards. Cannot do it. It has to be 30 or further. Just because at 20 yards, one click is, it, it's too fine of a movement and you could be three to four clicks off of most sites or you want to start at 30 yards to give your numbers better or give your give yourself better numbers for a site tape. So back to the initial site and you're going to create this, this cross on your target and you're going to start with your top pin distance, whatever that is. You're going to shoot at the the vertical line and get your left and rights moved. So if you're hitting to the left, you're going to move your sight to the left, hitting to the right, you're going to chase your arrow through this process. So shoot at your vertical line, get it to where your arrow is hitting that vertical line and then move to the horizontal line and then shoot at that same horizontal or shoot at the horizontal line and repeat the same process. If you're hitting high, move your sight high, hitting low, move your sight low. And what you're doing by shooting at a vertical and a horizontal line is you're getting rid of one of the two axis that you have to keep that bow perfectly in line with. So if you're shooting left and right, you just have to get that pin on that vertical line and hit that vertical line. You're not worrying about also keeping the bow up and down and it eliminates a process in the shot. Same thing with the up and down. All you have to do is focus on the up and down. And then when you have a line like that, it also lets you create a reference of where your pin was when the shot broke. So a lot of times, and the more you shoot, if you're shooting and you can see where your pin is as that shot broke and you were just marginally off the left, it's going to cut down your sight in time because you're going to know where your pin is when the shot broke and where the arrow should have hit. And then if it's way off at that point, you can make the correct adjustments and get it back to that. So instead of relying on just purely on point of impact, when you shoot your arrow, you can also rely on where it should have been because not everybody's perfect. In this process, you're going to miss that line. So say you're holding just off the left edge and you hit just off the left edge, it's a good shot. You hit where it was, you're both sighted in. Same thing with the, vert the horizontal. If you hit, you're holding and the shot broke and you remember your pin, you can see it vividly that it was just low and you hit just low, good chance you're sighted in. You also, I mean, you want to verify that by having a good shot on the line, hitting the line. But through this process, if you can, you know, go back to where that pin was when the shot broke and you have one of the steps eliminated in the process, you're only worried about left and right, only worried about up and down. It makes this go a lot smoother and it really helps fine tune that side in process. Yeah. There are a few rules that you always need to follow. I've, I've seen guys trying to yeah. sight their bow in on a 3d target. Like there's no dots. And I'm yeah. like, dude, you're causing yourself a world of hurt, my friend. Yeah. But also one thing to note too, with the lines that you've just drawn. So many mm -hmm. guys, they side in with the dots on their block target, which if that's all you've got, that's all you've got run it. Yeah. But so many guys also, their pins are floating inside of that dot. Their shot breaks and they hit up here in the dot. Well, they're in the mm -hmm. dot. So they call it good and they move on. When in all right. reality at, you know, and I, I want to hit on your 20 yard mark too, but we're, we're going to say they're doing this at 20 yards and they yep. hit the top left of that, the top right of that dot. Well, then they go back to 60 and at 20, they were in the top left of the dot, but now at 60, they're off the target. You know, they're not even close mm -hmm. because that, and it's just like you said, at 20 yards, man, you yeah. could be 
five feet off the target at 60, but at 20, yep. you're going to hit. Yep. Now, the only right. time I would recommend you starting at 20, and, and and let me just make note of something. We have t- we've we've shot the bow already forty times mm-hmm. at twenty yards through the through the bear shaft tuning yep. and through the broadhead tuning. So we know we're on target at twenty. Like we know we're at least going to hit the target at twenty. Yep. The only time I would recommend yep. you shooting your bow at twenty yards for a side in is a you've never shot before. Like this is your first bow sure. side in yep. ever. Um, and so mm-hmm. you're not going to shoot good at 30 yards. So you're just going to cause yourself a lot of frustration right. or B you were like on the, like you were still even in the, in the broadhead and bear shaft tuning, you were like, yep. you know, three inches off the dot. So go to 20 just yep. to get it somewhat close before you yeah. go to 30 and miss the target. Yeah. And to clarify that too, and I'm not saying that you don't want to side in a 20 yard pin. If you have a single pin sight and you want a 20 yard pin to shoot, you know, if you're in a tree stand scenario where you're a single pin, your 20 yard pin is good at 15. It's also good at 25. You know, that's a very common situation for a lot of hunters. So to clarify what I mean by not using the 20, when you're building a sight tape, like on a single pin or on a movable site, you don't want to use that 20 yard mark for building your sight pin. You want to use yeah. a 30 30 and a fifth, like a 30 and a 60 or ideally a 30 and a hundred, like every, every target bow setup that I've shot for field or whatever, you want to make sure that you're not only sighting in at a longer distance to get a more accurate tape, but you also want to go further than the furthest mark that you're going to shoot in a competition or in a hunting scenario. So if you think you're going to be hunting and you're going to be shooting out to a hundred yards, you need to make a sight tape that's actually maxes out at like 110 just to make that in-between numbers more accurate. Yeah. Well, and, and it's exactly what Caleb said. Like, if I am if I am a quarter inch off at 20, it's going to take me a whole lot of clicks to get that over. It's going to take me 15 mm-hmm. clicks to get it over that far. But then if I go yep. back to 60, I've moved it way too far now. You know what I mean? Like, that six clicks yep. moved it. Whereas if I'm at 60 mm-hmm. and I'm a quarter inch off, it takes a click and a half. You know, it takes two clicks to right. move it that far and I'm sighted in. Yep. Um, so again, you're yeah. just going to cause yourself yards, frustration. Yep. And in your scenario too, if you're a quarter inch at 60 and you move it one click at 20 yards, you're moving it a quarter inch you're at 60. Moving, you're yeah. moving it maybe a 16th, maybe, maybe you know, you're moving a 32nd or a 16th, maybe. So if you are yeah, hitting I mean, perfectly left and right at 80 or 60 or 30, you're going to be hitting perfectly left and right at 20. You know, that's the point yep. that we're making. Um, if yep. I'm hitting perfectly Assuming left and right at 100. The, the tunings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm hitting perfectly left and right at 100, and, and again, I'm shooting a well-tuned bow, but I'm hitting perfectly mm-hmm. left and right at 100, I'm going to be yep. hitting perfectly left and right at, at 20. Yep. Now, I might right. have to change it up and down at 20, but I'm going to be yep. hitting perfectly left and right at 20. So yep. if you're running a three-pin slider sight, you know, if you're running something mm-hmm. like the 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 React Trio, best sight ever yep. made, in my opinion. Um, haven't got to shoot the Swift yet, but I'm really excited about the Swift. Three-pin slider sight. What are mm-hmm. you doing to sight that bow in? Because that's something that a lot of guys yep. really and we're we're gonna skip the digital side of things because that's that's a just read your manual and follow the instructions. But a three-pin slider mm-hmm. sight, how do you sight that bow in compared to what you just described? 
Yeah, so a fixed pin sight, you're going to sight your top pin in, adjust your bottom pins from there, making sure you have enough room underneath that top pin to get out to the distance you want. On a three-pin slider, you're going to do the same thing as a fixed pin, but you're going to make sure that your sliding portion of the sight is all the way up in the up like the furthest most it can be adjusted up and then you'll slide it in just like a normal fixed pin once you have it in that position most people it's 20 30 40 on a three pin and then past 40 yards you'll slide it in with the sliding and the nice thing with a three pin slider is we talked about that first number being over 30 inherently you're going to be sighting in your 40 yard pin with that bottom pin so you've already got a really good number that is very critical on its position up and down for 40 yards. Then you would move back to a, a nominal distance. I recommend marginally moving back, walk back to 45, 50, move the slider, hit, see where you're at, make the, you know, keep that in mind, move back to the next distance, move it a little bit more, see where you're hitting. If at all possible, use a really big target so you have a lot of room for error and just minutely move your way back until you get to your max distance that you want your tape to be. I like 100. I always try to max my tapes out at 100 just so I'm really, really solid with my marks between those two. And then make your mark at 100. And there's multiple ways that you can create a sight tape from this point. You know, the easiest way is going to be use the sight tapes that come with your sight. Those sight tapes work really well. Um, you know, other options, there are a lot of programs out there that'll help you make sight tapes as well, where you actually use calipers and measure the distance, or you can print a scale that is nominal and you can line that up and punch the numbers in off of that scale. Um, and then, you know, use two-way tape, label paper, you know, et cetera. There's a lot of ways to then stick that that sight tape on there. But again, out to all these distances, you really want to make sure that you're shooting at that horizontal line as you work your way back to, because A, it eliminates that left and right margin of error that we talked about earlier. You're only focusing on the up and down as you move your way back. Your left and right, if your bow's tuned, you took all the steps that we we're talking about, you can rule that out. If you're hitting on that up and down plane, your sight marks are going to be good all the way back to your distances. Yeah. And that's what, um, that's what, that's why I said we're going to skip the digital, um, which guys, if you've not looked at trophy Ridge digital react, it basically, it's a site that has archers advantage built into it, um, is mm -hmm. the easiest way to explain that. Um, yeah, but I have seen so many guys with a three pin slider, they try to sight in their 2030 and then their 40 yard pin. But because it's a slider, you have to sight in the 40 first. Because once I've yep. sighted in the 40, and then I sight in 60 with that slider pin, I'm going to have to go back and redo mm -hmm. 20 and 30 because I've moved the housing yeah. to sight yep. in the 40-yard pin. Yeah. So, and that sight housing, the 40-yard pin first. you've got a fixed pin. Yep. Yeah. Now, yep. It, that would be different if you're talking about a hot wire where the bottom pin slides inside the housing. But for a Correct. slider site where the bottom pin is fixed and your 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 top mm -hmm. two pins are, you know, you adjust those for 20 and 30, side in the bottom pin yep. first for to be your movable yep. single pin and then mm -hmm. side in 20 and 30 above that. 
Um, yep. But all great tips from Caleb. Um, again, don't try to side in with 3D targets. Don't try to side in with just a dot. My yep. favorite thing to do um, is get like a blank, blank target. Uh, like if you look at like the Iron Man target from Big Shot, um, which exciting news. They were ju- they just purchased Delta McKenzie. So now two incredible target companies have been married to just build incredible targets. Anyways, if you look yep. at like an Iron Man target, you can get those blank, and that's a big, big blank target. And then I can put my tape on it, and there's nothing else to distract me from my yep. vertical and my horizontal lines on that cross that I've just made. Um, and that yep. that's good for for sighting in. That's good for long distance shooting. Uh, if you want to, sh- if you want to yep. start shooting at 100 yards 120 yards the best thing to do is not shoot at a target with 50 little dots on it get one big big target that's blank and put one really clear to easy to see dot on that blank target again to start i want to challenge myself and make shots more difficult but to start shooting further that's a great way to do it um yeah so we have Now, now go ahead in a pinch in kind of backtrack if you don't have the ability to use tape, if you're in a pinch, this goes without saying, you got to use the old saying, aim small, miss small. So like yes. for a diamond target, for example, like if you have those big diamonds on a target, instead of shooting at the center of that diamond, pick one of the axe, like very tips of that diamond and shoot at that very tip of the diamond. If you're shooting at a circle, hit one of the, the very outside edges of it. If you're shooting at a 3D animal, you know, all the McKinsey targets, they have a core line on the back. Mm-hmm. You're sighting in your vertical line. You're checking your, your distances at distance. Shoot at that core line and see where you hit up and down versus that core line. Anything that you can do to tighten in and make you more precise is going to help put better numbers into the system and sight your bow in more accurately. Bingo. And that's why, like... I, you know, if I'm shooting at 30 yards, I want to be hitting an aspirin before I move to 60. You know, I don't want to just look at the diamond on that target or the circle on that target and say, I'm in the circle. Let's move back to 60. Because again, if I'm hitting the bottom of that circle, that means at 60, I'm still going to be, you know, four inches too low, five inches too low. Mm -hmm. So aim at an aspirin. I, you know, I have a, well, perfect example. When I was in Oklahoma, uh, had to start, you know, micro tuning that persist a little bit. Um, so I pulled off a knock of one of my arrows and I stuck it in the target because it gave me a green bright dot to aim at. So I just bust, I just pulled the knock out and shoved it into that target. And that's what I aimed at because I want to be sighting in. And, you know, maybe it's, I I have oftentimes used an old hole in the target. You know, I can see Mm -hmm. where an arrow went in at one time and you know, it's black and the white dot. I'm going to aim at that. You know, I want to aim at the smallest point possible on that target or just take a black Sharpie you know, or just take a leaf. I've taken a leaf before and shoved it into an old arrow hole because that's going to give me one little bitty point to aim at. Yep. Growing up in the Midwest, pick a piece of clover, shove a clover leaf in there. Yep. Exactly, man. But the smaller point that I aim at, target to aim at. Yep. The happier I'm going to be with that setup. So if you have followed all of these steps, you should have a bow that is shooting just absolutely perfect, as good as you can shoot it. So, guys, it's yep. been an absolute pleasure walking you through how to build your own bow. If you have any questions whatsoever, um, I would love to help you. Caleb would love to help you. You know, if you get hung up on the tuning process, 
guys, I still get into situations all the time where I have to call somebody because, you know, a tear is doing one thing, but then at distance it's doing another. Like I've, there's always these situations and sometimes just a fresh set of eyes or a fresh set of somebody looking at it can answer it. So if you have any questions, if you need help with any setups, don't hesitate to email me. Um, don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. I'll get you in touch with somebody. If I don't know an answer, I'll get you in touch with somebody who does. But guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope this makes you a better archer. I hope this makes you be able to work on your equipment better. And like I said, here in a few weeks, we'll come out with an arrow building episode to walk through all of the details on, on, on arrow setups. But guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. And as guys, I want you to stay tuned for next week. Uh, because we have a special announcement coming. Um, there's going to be some changes taking place to the podcast. Um, so tune in next week to hear the changes that are taking place and some of the exciting news that we have coming out next week. Guys, if you run any kind of supplement for your deer, which you absolutely should, there are things that deer need. And I have found that when I run supplements for my deer, um, it keeps them on my property so they don't go wandering off onto other properties looking for that thing that they're needing. And so I have just dove fully into running minerals and protein for my deer all year long. Buck bourbon does supplements and attractants really, really well. Whether you're looking for a long range attractant like the 110 proof, um, or whether you're looking for a feed that you can run all year long in a feeder or, um, even just on the ground in their barrel proof, Buck bourbon has what you need. I can tell you story after story of going on to a new 500-acre piece, dumping out some long-range attractant, and deer just coming into it. Guys, it will make a difference in the way that you see your deer come in. So, guys, I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. You can use code HUNTING101 in all caps to get 15% off. But I would just encourage you, no matter what, to start running some sort of supplement for your deer. It'll have a happier, healthy herd. You'll keep them on your property more, and you can better manage those deer. Guys, Go check out Buck Bourbon. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a fantastic week.